So we're continuing our series through Reclaim, where we're looking through the first couple of chapters of Revelation to see what Jesus had to say to the churches of that time. We started by being reminded that there is more to our life than simply what we see physically. He wants us to know, he wanted John to know, there's more to life than what you see going on physically. There's so much more depth to it than that. He wanted John to have a revelation, an apocalypse of being able to see the spiritual dimension that affects everything that we experience. There is a spiritual realm that we must become aware of. And in order to deal with the physicalness of what we experience and how we go through life, he says that we are reminded that we need these kinds of fresh encounters, these fresh vision experiences of Jesus, just as John had. It took four years while he was on the island of Patmos. But in the four years for his present moment, with his present uh, tribulation that he was going through, he needed a fresh new revelation, an encounter with Jesus because the past was the past. He needed something for today. And the same thing for us, we need something new for today as well. Because otherwise, just as we learned about the church in Ephesus, we can end up doing all the right things. But the thing is, those right things can just become practices. Those right things can just become tradition, just habits that we do. And we lack our first love. Love is what allows us to go beyond just the simple habit of doing things for the sake of doing it. Love allows us to really engage and to get deeper in those kind of experiences. And so I want us to see now as we go into the second church, Jesus now mentions the church of Smyrna and he has a word for them. And so if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me or open it up to Revelation chapter 2. We're going to begin at verse 8 and we're going to go to verse 11. So that's Revelation chapter 2. Verse 8 through 11, I'll be reading from the NIV. It reads this. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are, um, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your word. And for those of us who are here today that have felt that we've been missing out on hearing your word, 
We've been missing out on being connected with you. We've been doing worship and the Sunday routine more out of habit than out of love. Today, Father, will you open up our hearts? Open us up, Father, to the spiritual realm. Will you get through to us, Lord? May we hear what we need to hear. May you give us a revelation that we need to see, that we need to experience. I pray this, Father, for each and every one of these precious sons and daughters of yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we notice once again, John starts this letter by recording the words of Jesus by saying this. Jesus says to John, make sure this is addressed to the angel of the church in Smyrna. So once more, what Jesus is pointing out to John is that there is this cosmic spiritual battle that is taking place that is preventing his people from hearing God's word, from hearing what they need to hear. So he says, give this message to the angels so the angel can bring it over to Smyrna and to make sure that the, peop the people of the church of Smyrna are able to receive this message. See, we're reminded that in our life, there is a spiritual dimension to it. And sometimes some of the, the feelings that we have of indifference, some of the feelings that we have of not feeling connected with God, it has to do with the spiritual realm that's preventing us from being connected with Him as well. And so we are looking to really um, connect with this angel, with making sure that we're able to hear what we need to hear so our spirit is in tune with Jesus Christ. He begins the message by saying this, These are the words of him who is first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. In this self-introduction that Jesus gives to the church of Smyrna is not this generalized introduction that he could have given to any of the churches. He gives this particular self-introduction to let them know this message is exactly for you, Smyrna. The words that he uses in describing himself, I am the first and the last, it's intentional. Because what he's trying to reveal to the church of Smyrna is, yes, I am the Lord over all. I'm the Lord over every church, but I'm also the Lord over your specific circumstance as well. I'm not, he's not a generalist that just says, in general, everyone do this. In, gen, in general, I am this kind of Lord to you. No, he comes into our situation. He comes in into our persecution, our affliction, our hard, our hard times. And he says specific, specifically to us, he says, I know what you are going through. And I'll be your Lord in that specific circumstance as well. This is why Jesus used, I am the first and the last. And the reason why is because he's relating it to the city's significance. The city of Smyrna was known to be, and they labeled themselves as, the first. They said, we are the first of Asia. 
We are the first of Asia because we have beauty and we have loyalty to the emperor in Rome. In fact, the city of Smyrna was so well known for its beauty that other people began to label the city as the first as the crown of Asia, the first as the flower of Asia because of its beauty. They were also known as the first city that the emperors would look upon and build and invest in. And the reason why is the people of Smyrna were known also as the first in their fierce loyalty towards Rome. All things Rome is what the citizens of Smyrna had in their hearts. Their, their blood was Roman blood. And because of this, the Roman emperors and all the governors would always invest in the city to make it the best, to make it a beautiful city because they were rewarding them for their loyalty and for what they represented as a Roman city. Smyrna was also known for its resolve. It, it was known for its resolve because back in seven, the 7th century BC, they were completely destroyed. The city was fully just blown over. But then, because of their resolve and, and their desire not to quit, they rebuilt their city in the 3rd century BC. So in such a way, they had this kind of mindset that said, you can try to tear us down, but we will be rebuilt again. And this is why Jesus uses these words as, I am the first and the last. And then he says, the one who died and came back to life again. Because the people of the city of Smyrna, they had this mindset that there's no one greater than us. We are the first. We will always come back. We are like the last again. You try to tear us down, we will come back up again. They had this mindset of why do you need Jesus? Why do you need this Lord? We can do it ourselves. We have that ability. And it's within that context that the church in Smyrna was being persecuted. They were faced against a formidable city, against formidable people that really believed in their own effort, that really believed in their own strength, that believed in the government system. See, the people of Smyrna were also very rich, very proud of their heritage, and they kept persecuting and putting down Christians who are living in their city. You see, it's within this luxury, it's within this great victory that the people of Smyrna are living in. It was within this, uh, this place where everyone who don't believe in God, everyone who believes in their own strength, they're prospering. But Christians are being persecuted and suffering. You can imagine what that was like. You being a Christian, having you know, the same resources are all around, your neighbors flourishing and prospering in their land, in their businesses, and everything in their education, moving on with life. Yet you, in such a beautiful setting, you are losing more and more where you are suffering when other people are doing so well. You can imagine that in such thriving, people begin to question, especially the people 
um, followers of Jesus Christ began to question, is this worth holding on to? That we're followers of Christ and we're holding to that, yet we are being persecuted and we're losing everything compared to everyone else. Jesus reminds the people in this church who were in that setting saying, it looks like the city. It looks like those people are the first and the last. It looks like they will last forever and they, they know what it takes to thrive. But he says, this is simply a mere mirage. There's more to life than simply this. He says, I am the true first and the last. I am the true one that will show you what it means that we all die, but there is life that I give again. He says, I am the only one that, uh, that provides this, not following Smyrna, not following Rome, not following these outward examples. Jesus says, I'm still here. I'm still in control. If we fast forward today, we see the truth of those words because Smyrna, we know where the exact location of Smyrna is. It's actually about 40 kilometers north of where the city of Ephesus was, and it's in Turkey, in present-day Turkey. The city today is actually called Izmir. And so what you notice is that no more is there an emperor of Rome. Uh, the, it's no more under the empire of Rome. No more is it called the city of Smyrna. That is gone. It has passed away. Today, it is called Izmir in the country of Turkey. In God's words, Jesus' words, when he says, I am the true first and the last, it shows itself in present-day history. See, Jesus, he wants the people of Smyrna to know, I know, he says, I know what you are going through. I know what you are suffering. He knows just how fiercely loyal the people of Smyrna are to the emperor and how fiercely um, uh, these Christians are being dealt with and being persecuted. In fact, the Greek word that Jesus uses to describe their persecution, he uses the word thalipsis. This term, it's used to describe extraordinary, overwhelming pressure. So Jesus says, I know what you're going through. I know what it feels like. You are going through thalipsis. You're going through overwhelming pressure. In fact, the picture that is often used to describe thalipsis in the Greek is actually this. The picture is slowly being crushed by a boulder. We can all imagine just that graphic language. Slowly being crushed by a boulder. He says this is what you are experiencing. Jesus says to them, I know that there are no one who is poor in Smyrna except followers of Jesus Christ. I know how that makes you feel. I know how crushing that is to your life. I know where your poverty comes from. The first thing you lost was your business. Then you lost your home, the slow crushing financial pain that you're going through. And then the squeeze of your finances happening as no one is giving you even mediocre jobs. 
He says, I know what it feels like. I know that as you continue to suffer through this, that you can't even find any work to put even food on the table for your own children. I know what it's like to lose your family, your houses, and getting in a place where you can't even find any loans to help support your children's future. I know what it feels like to have all of your dignity stripped away and watching your children suffer because of your righteousness. See, to make things worse, this agonizing pressure that was happening, it wasn't stopping. It just kept building and building, taking everything away. So the question is, why were they suffering so much? Well, according to Jesus in this passage, he says this, you are suffering this much because it isn't because they were doing anything wrong. It was actually the exact opposite. They were doing everything right. You know, of the seven churches that are written here where Jesus addresses seven churches, only two of the churches, Jesus has nothing bad to say about them. And that's Smyrna and the church in in Philadelphia. These two churches, with every other church, the five other churches, Jesus has a critical remark to give to them. But these two churches, nothing critical in his remarks. And this is why when we look at both Smyrna and Philadelphia, we see the common denominator of what they were experiencing is they were a suffering church for doing what was right. They were being persecuted. They were going through thalipsis for living rightly before God. You know, our surprise is this. You would expect... Yeah, even though there is nothing that Jesus says that's wrong with them, you kind of think that maybe he would offer a better word of encouragement, better times to come because of their, uh, for a reward for the hardships that they were enduring, but none comes. In fact, what Jesus promises instead is he says, more thalipsis is yet to come. You don't kind of, you don't expect that. You expect, you know, the Christian life should be, I've suffered this much, so there should be an easing of my suffering. But instead, Jesus says, more is to come. And the very reason why Smyrna kept going through Thalipsis, he says, was because of their unwavering hold on obedience to Christ. Do we get that? Jesus is saying, what's causing your suffering is your proper obedience to me. It's their obedience that was causing their suffering. You know, I remember um, when I was serving in Korea, one of my volunteer teachers uh, he came up to me and he just said, hey, can, can we talk? I want to just share some stuff that's going on in my life that I feel. There's a little bit of tension and, you know, I'm having trouble continually serving in the youth ministry uh, because of what I have to do with business. And I said, yeah, no problem. So we grabbed the coffee, we sat down, we talked together. And he says, I'm wrestling with this. He says, I'm moving up in my business and part of my business practice it requires that 
our main business comes from international people that come into Korea. And one of the things that are well known in the business world here in Korea is that when these people come, one of the things that you do for your clients and what your clients expect is to take them to what we call these massage rooms. And so this is kind of like a service that we provide to show our appreciation for their business. And when we take them to the massage room, of course, there's all types of dark stuff that happen in those massage rooms. And he says, but that's the business. That's the way that business works here. If we don't provide this, if I refuse, and as I say to my boss, I can't do this because of my faith, I will lose my job. And the fact of the matter is I'm at the age right now where if I lose my job, there's no way I can find another one because I'm in my mid-40s. This is when people are let go and, and people try to hire younger people in my place. I have to do everything so I can keep my job, I can keep my income, and I can support my family. You know, I looked at him and I felt his pain. I felt his tension. And he asked me, what do I do? How, how do I... How do I deal with the situation? And I just frankly looked at him and there's no way I can judge him. There's no way I can, you know, lay it down on him. But I understand just the difficulty that he's going through. And I told him, I think you do know how we're supposed to act, what Jesus expects of us, how we need to trust him in these circumstances. I think you know what you need to do, but the consequences are real. The consequences are what's going to happen with my life. And this is where our faith becomes a real thing, where we ask ourselves, do we really believe that Jesus is the first and the last? Do we really believe that as I die in this one area of my life because I can't compromise and I want to live in obedience to Christ, that even if I lose these things out of obedience, that Jesus still gives me life, a life that's worth living. Do I believe this? You see, brothers and sisters, sometimes our faith comes to that kind of point where we have to look at the way that we live and the challenge comes as we see these decisions that we need to make in our life that determine whether we go left or right, but we also understand the consequences of being a follower of Jesus Christ, that we may lose everything. See, this is why there was no offer of relief that Jesus gives, because there could be none. Because the people of Smyrna were living in obedience. And it was that obedience that was causing them to lose their jobs, lose their homes, and continually be persecuted. They kept fighting because they believed in the kingdom of Jesus Christ and spreading this kingdom. Jesus uses also this other language that he wants the people of Smyrna to know that was introduced first through the address that we see to the church of Ephesus. Jesus makes clear, saying, Smyrna, I want you to know that this is not just an earthly matter. Look what he says 
in, um, verse, um, in verse uh, 9b. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and, and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you're about to s- suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you into prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. The language that Jesus introduces here is probably unfashionable to mention in today's culture. He says, Satan is working. In this spiritual realm that we have, it's not just simply these business matters. It's not just simply financial things that are going on. He says, behind all of that and deeper in all of these things, he says, there is a spiritual force that is at work. Satan is at work to destroy each and every one of us. He says, Satan is actually doing this. He's moving in these places to discourage us and to lead us away from Christ. See, this is the revelation that John is presenting through Jesus Christ to the people of Smyrna. It's not just politics. It's not just money. It's not just religious people and their their polity. It's actually Satan is at work. We need our eyes and our hearts to be opened to that reality. See, John, he's revealing to the church of Smyrna what he will develop later on in chapters 12 to 14 in the book of Revelation. There's this cosmic battle that John reveals in chapters 4 to 14 between this dragon that represents Satan and the lamb that represents Jesus Christ. In this cosmic battle that takes place here, the dragon attempts to destroy the lamb of God, but he fails. And in that failure, there's rage that comes out from this dragon. And so what he understands is he is going to face ultimate defeat. His demise is assured. So in his final tantrum that that this dragon wants to give against the lamb, he targets disciples of the lamb, followers of Jesus Christ. But he doesn't do it directly. He hides in the guise of institutions. And so what we see here are symbols that come out. And the two symbols that come out is he begins to reveal in Revelation 13 the rise of a beast that comes from the sea and the rise of a beast that comes from the land. These two beasts that rise up, this dragon uses these beasts that represent the political and the religious systems. The dragon manipulates both the political and religious systems to get at the people of God. You see, the disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, aren't the real target of the dragon. The target is the lamb. But the dragon knows he can't do anything about the lamb. And so what he chooses to do instead is he's saying, I'm going to do my best to wreak havoc on the lamb. And the only way he can do it is by hurting the ones that the lamb loves the most. See, Jesus knows what they're against. Jesus understands that Satan is seeking revenge before his complete and full demise on followers of Jesus Christ to hurt him the most because he knows the disciples are the ones that Jesus loves. So he gives this command to persevere. 
he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He says, be faithful. So how do we nurture faith when we're met with these kinds of tensions? We're, we're at the risk of losing things out of obedience to Jesus Christ. Jesus says these four things. When he says to us, remain faithful, he likens it to fish that need to swim up current, to spawn, to grow, to uh, continually prosper. He says the current is flowing one way, but you know that fishes are alive as they swim against the current and they go the other way to reproduce. In the same way, we know that fishes are dead because if they just go with the current and they just float on top, right, and they do nothing to fight against that current, we know that those fishes are no longer living. He says to each one of us, continually be faithful, continually fight against the current that comes against us. The second thing he says is go and undergo the test. In other words, this might not sound appealing to a lot of us, but Jesus reveals that when we are tested through manipulated political or religious systems, through the devil, Satan's intent is to harm us, but Jesus promises, and he says, but I will use it. This is why he says it's okay to undergo the test. As Satan uses it to destroy you, to tear you apart, to make you feel hopeless, Jesus promises, I will use it. I will use it for your good. The word Jesus uses in this passage is he, is he says, I will help you to prove or to improve your faith. So he says, undergo the test because as you do it, it will improve or prove your faith. You see, Jesus lets us know that sometimes a thalipsis or persecution in our life is needed to get back to the basis of us experiencing having a revelation of Jesus Christ in our life again, rather than holding to false pillars. The third thing that Jesus reveals is, I am in control. I have final authority of all things. Look what he says. He says, when you are tested, you will be tested, he says, for 10 days. You will go through testing for 10 days. Whether this was literal or not, 10 again was a complete number for Jewish hearers. So whenever again they heard the word 10, they knew there was something more than just a simple number. And so we can understand this as being defined as it's not just a 10-day cycle that Jesus is saying you will suffer through these things for 10 days. He says, allow the undergoing of this to be complete. And as it is complete, by mentioning that that 10-day limitation, it shows Jesus is in control, that he has Satan or evil, these systems on a leash. And because he has a, them on a leash, that pressure has a limit. This is why we have the promise in Corinthians that no, no temptation has seized us yet except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. And the last thing that, he, that Jesus gives is he says, he will give us these two promises. The first one he mentions, he will give us the crown of life. 
In athletic games back then, the winner was awarded a laurel wreath. But here, Jesus is awarding them a crown, which he says, this crown is actually life. It's life fulfilling. It's life eternal that is given to us. It's a life that never fades. Secondly, he also says, you shall not be hurt by the second death. The first death we will all experience, our bodily, our physical death. But the second death is the final one. The second death is eternal expulsion from the very presence of God. Jesus says those who remain loyal, those who remain until the end, he says, you will not experience the second death. Jesus says to us, I am the first and the last. I have died, but I live. And he gives that same promise to the church in Smyrna who are suffering, who are going through immense persecution. He says, it's not all for naught. I'm there. I'm still in control. What we see today is the city of Smyrna is gone that old city that was known to be the city that had power, the city that had wealth, that city that would never end, the city that had all the glory, the city that built itself up again, but it did not last. It's gone today. But remain, what remains in the city of Izmir today is that was the birthplace of the Eastern Orthodox Church. See, Jesus is faithful. This all came out of the faithfulness of the church, of the people of the church of Smyrna. They are faithful. And in that faithfulness, we see this fruitfulness that comes out of it, that today, although the city of Smyrna is gone, today what we see there is still the church, the Eastern Orthodox church that's alive and strong. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for blessing us with this time, sharing your word with us. And for those of us, Father, who are suffering, those of us who are going through this crushing pain, help us to hear the word we need to hear. Help us to see that there is more going on than simply these physical realities that are around us. Give us a fresh revelation of you, Lord, to sustain us through our hardship. Give us new eyes that we may be able to see, Lord, that our current affliction does not mean that you don't love us, that you don't exist, that we need to stop following you. Give us eyes to see that you are worth the pursuit. May we hear the message that we need to hear today. Will you fill us with your spirit, Lord. We commit each and every one of these precious, faithful brothers and sisters, these sons and daughters of yours, we commit them to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.